Hey everyone, Paul here. We have a special announcement we want to make, but we're going to save it to the end of this podcast. So stick around. I promise it's something that could help change your business. So hopefully you'll check it out. It's definitely worth it. And with that said, let's get started with the show. We love lashes and have a passion to see our industry grow and thrive. In our podcast, we will discuss ideas, explore trends, share secrets, debunk myths, and encourage one another. I'm your host, Paul Lubers, and I'm the general manager at Integrity Lash in Pasadena, California. Welcome to LashCast. Hey, everyone. We are here deep in our dark studios at Integrity Lash. We're very excited to be back again. I'm with my partner, Tusney, today. Erica is not with us. She's on special assignment, and but we have a special guest again. And if you're looking at the podcast, you probably know who this person is already. So we, drum roll. Drum roll. But we want to share a little bit about Tara Walsh, otherwise known as the Lashpreneur. She has been someone that I've been following, I think, really from the day she barely got started. I mean, she posted a few things. I think I found her in her fourth or fifth post. And I just saw someone that I was super excited to see pop on to the Instagram scene because at that time, no one was talking about business. Everyone was just talking about lashes, which is great. That's our industry. But it was really kind of cool to see someone bring a whole new perspective to really help our industry. And that started around 2016. Uh, Tara herself, before that, she was a licensed esthetician and master lash artist since 2013. And even before that, and this is why I think makes her so special, is that she spent eight years in the corporate world doing marketing, sales, and business development. And with all that information, all that training, all that background, she brought that and has really, for the last couple of years, been changing our industry for the better, helping people out how to figure out how to fix their business, how to get guests in the door, how to be better at their numbers and better at finally being profitable, which sometimes is a real mystery to some of us. So for all that, we're so excited to have Tara come on. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I have to admit the first time that a man reached out to me on Instagram and said, I'm a huge fan. I was a little put off by it, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) It took a couple messages for me to be like, okay, he's not trying to be a creeper. He actually does own a business in the lash world. Fair enough. I I think I get that a lot. Actually, I've learned, I need I think I need to have like an alias, like, yeah, it's Paula, you know, contacting you. And then we'll see if that helps people to feel a little bit more safe because we are in a... You can walk around trade shows with a wig. Yes. yes that's right. I can use the hair. Yes. If you've ever seen me, the hair is a challenge for me, actually, I should say. But anyhow, that all said, Tara, we're so glad to have you on. I think the day that we first reached out to you, we had already started the podcast and I got enough nerves saying, you know, I'll just text her or DM her and hopefully she'll respond. And I think, like you said, I don't think you did the first time. And then uh, we finally, it was like middle of the night, it was late, I DM'd you a couple of times, you responded back and then... It went from there, and I was so excited that you did, and now here we are live with you. And before um, we get into really the meat and potatoes of what we want to do with this episode, we definitely want to talk a little bit about your background so people know more than what I just said. Obviously, I gave you a very brief 20-second overview of your career, which is probably kind of not really quite enough. So maybe you could tell us why you got into lashes, why this career, why this world that you're in now? Why this crazy lash industry, and how did I get bit by the lash bug? Well, 
as you mentioned, I was in corporate sales and marketing and have a business management degree from San Diego State University, go Aztecs, uh, and thought I was going to be either a publicist or basically a glorified water girl for sports teams. That was kind of my goal going into college. But my dad is an independent contractor for a company, so he's technically a business owner. And I kind of just fell into his footsteps. And quite honestly, the business degree was the quickest way to get out of school. So Mm -hmm. that's why I went down that path. Uh, marketing back then was like talking about Super Bowl ads. There wasn't Facebook ads. There wasn't Instagram didn't even exist. This was early 2000s. I don't want to date myself, but you know, <laughs> I'm not young. I started off working for a company that I got to travel with a lot that did marathons. And so I got a lot of trade show experience of marketing in person, kind of having conversations, trying to convince people to pay $150 for a race entry when they can go run outside for free. So (laughs) it was just an easy way for me to learn kind of some marketing skills. And as my career progressed, I didn't really have a direction. I just knew that I liked events and event planning. And so that eventually led me to working in a very corporate hotel chain and doing new business development for them. And it was the corporate rat race, if there ever was one. It was cubicles, it was people stepping on top of each other to excel in the industry. And I remember going to Starbucks and just being so jealous of the baristas that got to talk to people <laughs> and have low stress. Um, they didn't weren't making much money, but you know, I actually ended up getting an ulcer from the amount of stress mm-hmm. that I had in this corporate. So I had always loved getting massages and facials, and I thought, you know what? Beauty school is not characteristic of me, but maybe I'll give it a try. And at this time, I was uh, newly married and walked into my regional director's office, who was a woman, and I said, I think I'm going to quit and go to beauty school. And she looked at me like, all your potential is gone, lost out the door. What are you thinking? But I wanted to focus on having a family, and so I wanted flexibility. I... He left that job, went to work part-time as a waitress, really loved it. I loved working part-time. I loved really having no stress to a job. I loved Mm. interacting with people. And honestly, I got pregnant after about a year of us trying and we miscarried at 16 weeks Mm. and my world stopped. Everything in my life, every plan I'd had just went right out the door. And so through depression and grief, my husband deployed shortly thereafter. So I was by myself. I had a friend who was a really successful esthetician. And I said, you know, I really like what you're doing. I think I can do this. I'm going to do it now because everybody's expectations are off of me because I'm going through such a hard time that I'm just going to buck what my parents, you know, paid for college for. And I'm going to go an esthetician. And so I signed up for beauty school and, you know, it really was interesting looking back on it now that I couldn't take care of myself at that time, but I was fulfilled by taking care of other women and making them feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. So it was really an interesting six month time in my life in beauty school to really focus, not necessarily on myself, but healing through making other women feel beautiful, feel confident because I wasn't feeling that. Mm -hmm. So during beauty school, my fellow SD students, uh, a couple of them had lashes and I had had some for my wedding and they were back in the day of like pot lashes, J curl. Mm -hmm. They were not cute and they were 0.20s and they hurt and they itched. (laughs) So I really liked this girl's lashes and decided, you know what, I'm going to get some lashes myself. And they were C-curl and they looked Mm. good. And I actually felt pretty good about myself. And so that kind of started the, oh, well, this is cool. But I never thought I would do it because it was so detailed. And I thought, oh, I don't want to sit there and just isolate, dip in place all day. But as luck would have it, the six girls that were in my class all went to the same lash artist and all got certified by her. And we're talking quote unquote certification where 
I watched her for two hours, and then she watched me for two hours, and bada-bing, bada-boom, you're a lash artist. Mm-hmm. That was magic. That's kind of how I got into it. My, my perception at the time was I can be a jack-of-all-trades. I can offer waxing and facials mm-hmm. and lashes, and, you know, I can be very successful working as an employee when I offer all of these services. I've come to learn that's not the best idea, but mm-hmm. that was my viewpoint of it at the time. So I did get, quote-unquote, certified. <laughs> That's a common thing we've ran into. I, I interview uh, stylists, I think almost for a living now. I, I just, every week someone's going in and talk to me or a phone call, and I just ask them about their training process. And, you know, once in a while you'll hear one that went to a legitimate trainer and got really trained, but I'd say more than half, if not two-thirds, just go to some place. You used to, like, get three, four hours with someone, pay 300 bucks, and they said it was the worst training <laughs> <laughs> well, we can equate that to our lash clients. We can relate to them. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't you pay $100 or $50 for a full set if it's available? Right. It's up to the educator or the lash artist to make the reason and the case for why you actually don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you got the certification and instantly became an overnight success, right? Right. I mean, I was just making six figures right off the bat. No, I actually <laughs> filed for unemployment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, was an independent contractor, misclassified, right? You guys have touched yeah. on that. Yeah. And I wasn't making any money. I was actually, there were three other lash artists in this salon, and I was third in line. So any walk-ins that came in went to the other two girls first because they were not busy enough to support three lash artists. Yeah. So I wasn't making any money and went on unemployment uh, wow. until I got a job as an employee at a salon. And one of my friends was a manager there, and she is phenomenal. She comes from an advertising background. And just kind of took me under her wing to share about the industry because she had been in it for so much longer than I have. So again, my focus was still on trying to have a baby. And at this point, my husband had come back from a deployment and we were trying again. We actually ended up going through IVF. So my full focus during this time in my life was just having a kid. It wasn't career goals. I think I was maybe making three or $400 a week. My income was just kind of discretionary. It wasn't really all that important, but I loved what I did when I got to do it. And again, I hadn't really had any training. So I'm slapping 0.25s, mm-hmm. 15 millimeters on, you know, some white girls who can't sport it and was doing lash damage unknowingly mm-hmm. and just thought that's what I was going to do. I was the only lash artist in the salon. So I would get new clients pretty consistently, but they never stayed. And I had retention issues. So I have definitely been through those struggles that most lash artists kind of have to go through. It's kind of our rite of passage to be terrified of retention and clients calling the next day that all their lashes have fallen off. Can I Um, ask a question about that, Tara? In the beginning, like we don't know what we don't know, right? So at this point where you're slapping the point twos on, did you have any sense that it wasn't working? I mean, did you have a sense that there was something more? Was there something that you could do? Or were you, was it a sense that you didn't know what it was? Or what were you thinking at that moment? I had my aha moment after I had gotten pregnant, had the baby, was on maternity leave, came back, was starting to build a clientele again, and had gotten you know 10 clients within a month, which was pretty good. And all of them lost their lashes within a couple of days of the full set. And my aha moment was, I'm putting chemicals on people's eyes and I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Like I had no, all there was, all the information that was at this time was dry time. Yeah. And so I knew I had two or three seconds to put the lash on. This was back when you swiped the lash with adhesive and it just, you had these big chunks, right? Mm -hmm. Like of glued together lashes. I didn't know any better, especially about lash weight. There was one client I remember, she said, if they're not fake looking, I don't want them. Hmm. And Mm -hmm. I knew I was doing damage and I kept saying that to her, but I didn't, know how to stop it. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that meant for her long term. 
And I was just trying to please the client, as I think most of us try to do. We just mm -hmm. want to give them results. But they were twisting. They were, you know, breaking. It was, I knew I was doing damage. And that was kind of my moment in time when I was like, I'm never doing damaging work again. So yeah, that was my aha moment that I needed to research and actually get maybe some legit certification, which is when I started looking into more structured certifications and took a volume certification with Hillary Brand, which changed my life and my career. Right. Now, did you work those 10 people that you had that, you know, you got bad retention? Did you say, come back and let me figure it out? How did that play out? It's a weird spot to be in because I was an employee. I was a W-2 employee. Mm -hmm. The business was not very well managed or run. Um, it was corporate, but I mean, you could, it was a free for all pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So I could extend, and because I was the only person in the company who did lashes, I extended for them to come back. I'd put them on and eventually either they got tired of coming back for free touch-ups or just not getting retention or the humidity changed and my adhesive started working mm -hmm. again. But I didn't figure out what that was at that time. Yeah. I equate it to pouring water in a leaky bucket. Yep. Right? You can get clients yep. in, you keep getting lashes on them, but they keep falling out because you There's don't know a what you There's a hole in the bucket, right? Yeah, exactly. So you, it sounds like Hillary, I know, was a big influence on you and she really helped guide you and has been a mentor, I still think, to this day, right? She's yep. been she's a very good friend now, but yeah, she started off just as a mentor. Just I connected with her at the training and just kind of kept in touch, not... There's an interesting thing that happens with mentors is people are like, I need a mentor. And then they're like, hey, can I take you out for coffee and pick your brain? And if you're a mentor, you're usually pretty successful and pretty busy. So you have to be very, very tactful about how you approach a mentor or consider someone a mentor. So it really was just questions about the training or as I went on through troubleshooting. It was actually in her training that I saw other women who were, no offense, younger than me, who were had successful businesses on their own right and were running businesses. And me with a business background was like, well, I can do this. Yeah. And so that was kind of my first taste of, oh, I'm going to go start my own business because if they can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. I was giving this advice um, years ago is uh, when you want a mentor and you want to get someone to help you out, go to them, try to help them first. Offer yes. to do something for them. I had one friend, a, a gentleman that mentored me for a while. I would go over and work on his house with him. So he had another hand. Like I'd be there, you know, hammering things and wood, building things with him. And then he would spend time with me, coaching me, you know, and helping me. And he was a glorified gopher. Yeah, yeah, I was a glorified gopher. But I felt like that was a fair exchange because he was giving me wisdom and guidance in exchange. I was helping him build his house, basically. And I thought that was nice. And I remember doing that intentionally because I think a lot of people do feel this. And I see this actually from quite a few of the, you know, Instagram mentors out there they say i'm always people always hit me up asking me just to give them free advice and spend hours of my day helping them out which is why we got into this because we want to help people out but if we just did it all for free then we'd only do it for another month and we'd all die from starvation and not having food so yeah uh, it's interesting because i've seen so many insta celebrities if you want to call them influencers yeah. whatever nails on chalkboard kind of term <laughs> you want to use come and go and i know that they have really good ideas and quality but quite honestly if you're not monetizing what you're doing yeah you can't sustain that. My my mantra that I just kind of adopted back in June was more income, more impact. Mm. So, and people, when they pay, they pay attention. I could give you the step-by-step -step of how to grow your business. And that's kind of what's hard as a business coach is I know how to get people successful in their businesses, 
But in order for them to pay attention and for me to give a damn about their businesses, you have to pay. And it's not so I can go sit on a beach in Cabo. It's so I can pay a team to structure all the things I need to do to impact more people. Yes, I need to take care of my family first. I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm not going to apologize for wealth and success. And quite honestly, there's not as much in it as people think, yeah. right? Yeah. When you're, But when you come from a place of servitude as one of these influencers, you also have to understand that you also need to be able to take care of yourself and your livelihood and your family first. Because if that's suffering, then there is no amount of posts, consistency, hashtag strategy that's going to fix that for you. Exactly. And that's, I think people don't realize that in your case, we're going to talk about this in a bit, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit sooner than I thought, is the whole idea of delegation, having a team and realizing that you have to build that team and you have to have people around you that support you. You, yet while in the beginning, when you first started this, you were on your own, but over time you got a team and you brought people on. And that's why, yes, you may be bringing a lot of revenue, but you're using that money and, and cash flow to pay all these other people to continue to grow the influence. And if you were just to give it all away, and I see it, you're right. I, I know of a, a couple of people will come to mind right now who are very generous online and they give a lot of content and I don't see them monetizing a dime and there's still one pre- people shows. And I'm like, you've got to find a better way to monetize what you're doing because you're helping, but you need more help and the support, or you will burn out and you will quit at some point. It's the same feeling for lash artists. If you're not comfortable with charging an appropriate price that sustains your business and your livelihood, you're running a hobby. You have to focus as business owners. If you want to run a business, you need to accept that there is money involved in that. And people, especially kind of my generation of those of us in their 30s, our parents came from the baby boomer age, but also likely in just coming out of the depression, right? Where money was really, really sparse. There was struggle. And so there's these phrases like money doesn't grow on trees and money is hard to come by that my generation has kind of adapted. But that is not an entrepreneurial mindset because as entrepreneurs, we can create money out of nothing. All of the courses and programs I have, all of the trainings you guys had, that didn't exist and then existed and you charge for it. So you've created money. As lash artists, we can make money. If we need to make $100 today, if we put out a special for $20 a full set and what got five clients in, we just made money appear out of nowhere. So it's a struggle with money and this perception of wealth is icky or money is icky, which comes from our childhood usually or people who we love in our lives mm-hmm. that have this fear of money or who struggle with money. But that doesn't mean that that has to impact how we approach money. So I think it's so funny that people think that lash business owners or even just business owners in general are sitting back, you know, collecting dollars, just doing nothing. Like we are most of the time not paying ourselves a lot of the time. I didn't really start paying myself until this year. So there you go. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's true. I'm not, I think I know that's true that the amount of money is not as enormous as people think. I know like our salon did 1.1 million last year. And I know a lot of people think we must have taken all over that. Yeah, right? we must have just yeah. made it. I have pictures of me laughing in, a, in the amounts of money I sleep in every night. You're Scrooge McDuck in your bank of like gold doubloons. Exactly. Yeah. At yeah. night, we we back up the truck and we cacklingly uh, yeah. shovel the money into the. <laughs> we into do it after truck. midnight so no one can see us yeah. doing it. So it's a private thing. Well, the, the funny thing about saying how much you've earned in a year doesn't really mean anything unless you ask the question: Well, what were your costs? Well, what was the profit? Or better. What's right? your net? I mean, some people say my gross was this, but I netted negative 5%. And they're like, so you made 1.1 million, but you lost 5%, which means 
you know how to spend money. Yeah, <laughs> you don't, or you, yeah, you know how to spend money and not manage money well. And that has been in a lot of ways problems that we've struggled with over the years. So I think people don't understand that there's always more costs than what people understand until they get into it. And then I think there's this aha moment that yeah. uh, business owners have like, oh, wow, I brought in $100,000, but wow, I only took home 50 of that because somehow 50%. No, $50 of it. <laughs> <laughs> or, or whatever it is, it just doesn't happen the way they think. And I think there's a real need for financial literacy and business understanding and acumen in our industry, which is why you exist, which is what my next question was going to say is why the last premiere, but maybe we're answering your question even before we started here. Yeah, I how the Lashpreneur came about. So I'll tell you a funny story. When I went to beauty school, I was really excited that my beauty school offered business classes, uh, that that was a part of the beauty school curriculum. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with a business background, I'm like, sweet, maybe I might actually, you know, think about running a business in the beauty world. And then we get into the class and it's the massage teacher who is teaching it. Mm -hmm. And this particular class, he was talking about having credit or credit cards so that you know, you can build up your credit score. <laughs> and I'm thinking about the audience that he's talking to, which is a bunch of mostly under 20 year old women who didn't want to go to college or, you know, they're just more artistic than anything, maybe not the most financially responsible people. And they are advising them to open up credit cards and start spending money on the credit card. And I kind of raised my hand and respectfully, I was very respectful about it. And I said, you know, I really don't think that's the best. And I had just, my husband and I had a mortgage and I was 27 at the time. We had no credit card debt. We paid off our car. Like we were very intentional about our finances. And I'm like, I just don't think this is a great message that you're sending to these girls because the caveat that you're missing there is A, that they're going to need a loan for something and B, that they're going to pay it off every month. I actually think you're doing more harm than good by just saying you should just open a credit card and start spending on it. And so fast forward a week later, he quit. <laughs> um, was no longer, I don't think that had anything to do with me. I think he was just done in the intimidated by the yeah, last that was the last straw. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I still think it's hilarious. I don't think it was necessarily because of me because I was very pleasant about it, but I was looking for business answers, right? Yeah. I wanted people who have tried and true in the industry mm-hmm. and give me advice on how to do this. I then found Lori Crete, who's the esthetician mentor by just Googling esthetician mentor and voila, she pops up. Mm -hmm. And she was kind of my first exposure to somebody who focused on the business side of the beauty industry. I thought at that time I wanted to put together a bunch of other beauty professionals and just do like a meetup. And I created the meetup group and I had a business coach at this time. And she was like, this sounds like a great idea, but I got too afraid to put myself out there. I was still just in the new phases of my business, but I didn't want to be the one kind of overseeing it. So I always had these ideas of like beauty professionals getting together and just talking shop. It wasn't until I was fully booked, doing really well in my business, doing anywhere from seven to $8,000 a month as a solo lash artist working, I think it was like averaging 15 days a month that I was like, what's next? You know, I did it. I'm fully booked now and I'm hungry for more in true entrepreneurial style. Mm -hmm. And it was a conversation with Hillary Brand where we were talking about what it was like to grow a team because she had done that. And it didn't work out the best for her. She had a lot of heartache with it, as which happens with most people who grow a team. Yep. And she said, is it your dream to have a team and manage a team? And there was, again, like nails on chalkboard. It's like, oh, God, no, because I just had visions of telling women, grown adults, get off your phone, go clean a shelf, go restock something, go take inventory where I would just move into management and less lashing, which is where my heart was at that time. And when I told her no, she said, well, okay, what do you want to do? And I said, I actually 
think I have something to say about running a business. I had been in the forums answering business questions, marketing questions, because it's just something natural to me. And at first, I was very different about what was said. I had a very different view on what, quote unquote, normal lash artists advised people to do in business. And I actually felt like the advice that was being given was actually detrimental to the person asking the question. It was either illegal or Mm -hmm. not the wisest things they could be doing for their business, or it was going to keep them broke and struggling for a long time. Kind of like and the credit I, card question that the <laughs> massage Like you're being guy. a little dangerous here. Yeah. You know, maybe it worked for you, but it just, you know, offer discounts, you know, get free models in, all of this kind of stuff. I then let the kind of cattiness of these forums hold me back mm-hmm. because I got people who jumped down my throat defending their answer. And I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> Come yeah. on. It's just community the, over competition in this industry, the, right? The, the creepy guy giving advice to people on what to do with their business. <laughs> I love it when men come into those forums and I'm like, you are out of place, buddy. You are about to get shut down. Like, <laughs> Shut down. I, I have to directly talk to people if I can and encourage them. And, and yeah, it's much different than what I used to do. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so the, it was through this conversation with Hillary that I realized, actually, I'm not wrong in what I'm saying. And not to say that they were wrong either, but I actually have information that can help them. So I started simply just taking the conversations that were on these forums with people asking questions onto direct message. And so for probably three or four months, I was just messaging back and forth with other lash artists about ideas they had for marketing or business. And that's when I kind of started to see it as there's a need. Yeah. And so in a fit of frustration with my current lash business, because I wanted more out of this industry, but I didn't want to bring on staff. I thought, you know what? I'm going to call it the Lashpreneur. I did all my research to make sure the name was good. And I'm just going to start teaching people my business inspiration on my terms. Yeah. And so November 1st, 2016, I got my little phone out. And in between a client, I recorded a video about Werther's Original Candy. Mm. And that was my first Lash Biz tip because, A, clients come in with bad breath, right? And they feel unsure about it, but we don't give them gum. And Werther's elicits this kind of, oh, my gosh, my grandmother gave me these candies. And it it just kind of gives this positive feeling for them, which they equate to you, and they feel almost this more warmth. And that was my first Lash Biz tip of the day. And I committed to doing those tips five days a week and just coming up with whatever came up in my mind while I was with clients. And I did that for four months before I ever tried to monetize it. Hmm. Because I knew there's this law of reciprocity. If you give someone something, they feel almost obligated to give it back. We have this kind of innate nature that we don't want to be in debt to someone. So I knew I was building a list. I knew I was going to email people. I knew where it was heading because I had been groomed by podcasts of online marketing and business coaches that I knew where this was heading. So I was okay doing the free stuff while it was a side hustle before I ever monetized The Lashpreneur. It's kind of like Gary Vee's jab, jab, right hook. You were doing a lot of jabbing, right? Oh, you know, jabbing. <laughs> jabbing away. While you were distilling your message and finding your voice. Finding my voice, mm-hmm. exactly. Like I had no idea what I was doing, right? I didn't think of myself as a coach. I didn't even know if my business stuff was tried and true for other people besides my own business. So I was just putting it out there. Of course, I had dreams of what I wanted it to be, and it's far surpassed that now. But it was really, uh, I mean, I was volunteering. It was a hobby until I monetized it. And it's, it's funny because I'm sure I think I've 
talked about this before, but I was so excited to launch my website because I was going to start taking coaching clients. and I was going to put myself out there and I launched my website. And the next day I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. So <laughs> it was like, Oh, we're timing this. That's right. Amazing how that happens. Yeah. That's, I remember hearing this from, I think, yeah, it's actually Gary V the whole idea of what you said. Um, law giving, of reciprocity. Yeah. That law, which for some reason I can't say all of a sudden that it's more important to give more than you take. And I know that even when we're talking about the mentorship, the idea of just going to someone, give me, give me, give me is a bad idea. And I think that's just true in general relationships. If we were all to be wired more with our clients, with our staff, with people around us, if we approach it with the idea of giving more than taking, I think it's a very healthy way. In fact, you even shared earlier when you were in that recovery phase and you were in that dark place and you went and started just helping women and giving these women, it was therapy to you. It was restorative to you. Restorative to you. And I think there's something very innate in our nature, the way we work as humans, that when we give and aren't worried about taking so much, good things follow and relationships build. And people tend to be, I think, attractive to the other people who are giving. We all have those clients that are a drain on us. We, they come in and they, all they want is suck the living life out of everything in the room. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I have to spend an hour with this woman. And it's just going to be so hard because she's going to just drain me and drain me. And I think it's just tough when it, that you get around that. But if you change your focus to giving and how can I help? I know for Tusney, we've had plenty of staff who've had certain clients like, oh, this client is just so hard or so difficult or they're so draining. And Tess would go in there and take them. And then just by giving to that woman and blessing her and building her up, they themselves blossom. And all of a sudden, a different person appears and that nasty curmudgeon that was there before all of a sudden is this really sweet person who's just hurt, maybe lost. Maybe every salon she's gone to before is treated like crap because she kind of has a rough outside. And then inside, there was a little something special there that was just waiting to open and blossom because someone gave instead of worrying about what they're going to take from them. So, you know, just a little observation from what we were talking about. I think we, especially with social media and the digital era we're living in, we've gotten far, far away from the human aspect of a lot of just everyday life. And even online, because, you know, my business is all online now, there is a human component missing. Like people are surprised when I message them back. I message every single person who messages me back. You know, I'm they're like, oh, my God, I can't. I know you're so busy. I'm like, I sit and talk to my computer all day. Like I have my phone. This is my business. This is I want to help. If you come with a servant heart, both as a service provider and a business owner, the money will come. Mm -hmm. If you prioritize money first, and most people do because they're running from fear or they don't have enough or, you know, rents due. That's the reality of the world. But if you take the approach of serving and helping people and making them feel beautiful and confident, most lash artists, we get hooked the second somebody looks at themselves for the first time with lashes and they're just, they light up that if you focus on that, the money will come. You can take the right steps, but don't stress out where you lose sight of actually why you got into business and why you got into this industry. Paul, you were sharing with me. I can't remember. It was a speaker that you talked to. Maybe it was Gary V. And he was saying something to the effect, correct me if I've got this wrong. He was telling a story about a Japanese businessman. And is this ringing a bell? No, it's not. And, and he Chinese said, Chinese businessman, but it, Japanese, no. He says, you know, let me ask you, a wise Japanese businessman, why do people always want to do business with you? Because the deals that you're doing, a wise and Japanese businessman, are not seemingly in your favor. And he says, well, I purposely do that. It's always 49. 80 to 20. Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe that's His whole idea, every deal, and this is business deals, like transactions, like we'll build a company, we'll do this. And the way he split his deals, and it wasn't Gary Vee, it was someone else, but 
80-20 was his ratio. He gets 20, and whoever he did business with was 80. So they were asking, why do you do such bad business deals? And the guy was like, well, who doesn't want to do business with me? Not only that, he's maybe, I think, now the richest man in Japan. Everyone wants to do a deal with this guy, and instead of doing one or two deals where it's 50-50, he gets hundreds, if not thousands, of deals at 80-20, which if you think about it that way, that scales... You just make money hand over fist because everyone walks away feeling like a winner. It's a really different way of approaching business. So it's an investment. You know, you're putting out more than you're getting back. But again, it's about the relationships that you're building. People want to do business with you. I think it's a good principle. Play the long game. Yeah. Play, Play the long game. Don't think about today. Think about one year, two years, five years. Well, money is a very poor motivator. Mm hmm. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you're making six figures and you can make six figures as a lash artist, no problem. But if that means that you're working six days a week, 12 hours a day, is that money really worth it? Mm-hmm. You're making six figures, but money is not the ultimate goal. We don't get to take money with us. We all want a fulfilled, happy life. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what I teach my students is focus first on why you got into business and stay true to that, which most of us, it's more freedom with our time and freedom with our money so that we can have a little bit more control over our life and our everyday, and we can spend more time on vacations or investing in relationships, doing something that we love and getting paid well for it. But if you're always trying to chase the dollar, you're chasing it to the bottom because somebody's always going to undercut you. Mm -hmm. So if you can take the approach of, I actually want the business to serve my life, you get much more clear in who you're marketing to, the types of clients you want in your business, having a business by design instead of by default, and actually enjoying the hard work that goes into building an empire or a business or a lash brand or, you know, a team, a staff, all of that. You guys are not in it for the money because I heard your percentages, right? Your percentage. (laughs) But there's so much more, like you've talked about how you were able to provide a living for your team and just how that's impacted their lives. And I can imagine that feels so much better than, you know, Ooh, I bought a new Mercedes G class or S class, you know, it's, Money can be very good. Money is amazing. It definitely affords you a lifestyle that is lots of fun, but it's not the only thing that matters in this world. And I think that most lash artists who have been around a long time really focus on the servant heart that they have to make women feel beautiful and to empower women, at least the crew I hang around with. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's about the relationships. It's about people. And I love how you're talking about it's so easy to get up in the pursuit of money and keeping up with the Joneses and want to have all the latest and greatest stuff. But so many people, I think, as, as we've seen this year, we've seen some real big name people commit suicide who supposedly had it all together. Exactly. And they didn't have it all together. That money didn't fill that void. And it, it's the relationships. It's the purpose of why you do what you do. And getting that right, I think, is going to line things up better for you. So if you make 50000 or 100000 you can still be content. You can be happy. And you can find a real meaning with your life as opposed to just say, hey, I made $150,000 and I didn't sleep at all last week. It was awesome, which mm-hmm. you know, isn't very Because here's the thing. Newsflash, business is hard. Yeah. It's yeah. really hard. There, I mean, We both said this before. There's easier ways to make money than being a business owner and entrepreneur. So to get you through the ups and downs that come with every business, regardless of how experienced in business you are, having a deeper meaning, having a why, having a vision, having a dream of what it means for your life, not just your bank account, is huge mm-hmm. in being consistent, having longevity in your career and with your business instead of just, I didn't make a whole lot of money. You know, everybody who thinks that lashes is quick money. 
I'm sorry, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually a lot of work that goes into it to be good and make good money. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so I'd like to move on to the next thing because I know that we're really we're excited about this. This is actually what we talked about like a month ago because <laughs> I think I was going through a, a little bit of a crisis in organizing my life. And you're like, just you need to get this figured out. You need to delegate. You're being selfish, Paul, is I'm, what I told you. Yeah, I think it sounds being selfish, you know, and I think it, it's dead on. Oh, it's like oh, it's me. Life is tough. You're mm-hmm. missing out on the women you could impact in this industry. Get a grip. Yeah, anyway. exactly. So that said, delegation is, I think, a, a huge key to your growth in your business. And I think it's to any business that's going to grow beyond just, I don't want to downplay. If someone just wants to do lashes, do 20 hours a week and as a part-time job while they raise their kids or whatever they're doing, that's awesome. And that's what's beautiful about this industry. It gives you so many options that can mold it around your life the way you want it. But for those who start getting that bug like you, you kind of got that certain level and you're like, what's next? What can I do? How can I do something even bigger and more exciting? Because you've got that entrepreneur mindset. And I know there's a lot of people listening who are really excited about watching Shark Tank, watching the, uh, any, the profit. The profit. The profit. Yes, yeah, the, the profit. Let Marcus come and own your company. 50% is what he's taking. Okay, get over that. And he's 100% in charge. <laughs> he's 100% in charge. Yeah. That all said, you know, or watch Tabitha Takes Over. What are these shows that we watch for business stuff? And we get inspired and we want to do something more. Um, but I really think one of the biggest things that people are going to have to understand is the whole concept of delegation. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on how you approach it and how it's worked in your business and your career. Yeah. So when you're just starting out as a business owner, you wear all the hats, every single hat. I think it's it makes me chuckle. And I don't mean this in a mean way, but when most of the people that I polled for this particular survey what would be the first thing that they would delegate out to someone? And it was marketing. Wow. And as a business owner, your business succeeds or fails based on how well you market. Mm -hmm. Because marketing is what gets people coming in the door to pay you. If you don't have anybody who's willing to pay you, you don't have a business. So I am all for delegating areas that you are not strong in, but you have to figure out how to do it for you first. You have to figure out your brand, your voice, the message that you're going to give, the value you provide that your business provides, what you stand for, what you don't stand for. Nobody else is going to figure that out for you. And when you're just starting out, the people that you can afford, not many, is probably your neighbor's 16-year-old kid who actually has a Snapchat and an Instagram. And you're like, I don't know what I'm doing here. So (laughs) I think it's always important for you to do the work first. And then as you start to see a little momentum in your business, as soon as you can afford to either automate, delegate, or eliminate, start doing that. Now, this automate, delegate, eliminate is just looking at everything you're doing and really picking through it with a fine-tooth comb, doing like, do I really need to do this? Is this really the best use of my time? The example I'll give is I used to do inventory in my business once a month, and I was very disciplined about it. And I would count the strips of each lash length and curl and kind of add them up so that I know when I got to five strips left of any single length or curl, I would reorder them. It got to the point where I was spending a lot of time counting lash strips unpaid that really didn't make a difference in the bottom line of my business. I knew enough and had enough lash stock that if I ran out of 11.15 millimeters, I could throw in a 0.12 and my client wouldn't know the difference. So, you know, there are obviously common lash sizes that we order on a regular basis, but spending all this time creating an inventory and being diligent about staying on top of it really didn't serve my business. So that was something that I eliminated after about four or five months of doing that. And then... Can I ask a question about that? Sorry. So what did you do? Like, can you break that down? Did you figure out that system and then you went to the person that you were hiring and said, this is the system. 
follow what I do here and then do it? Or did you just say, come up with your own inventory? What did you do for that? So I actually eliminated that process altogether. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she, oh yeah, completely. You, okay. Tusty was listening very intently. Right I there. Like, <laughs> if I were to send it off from somebody, I knew the step-by-steps of how to do it. So okay. anytime you're going to delegate something, you have to have the process in place first. So somebody knows how to do it and then they can run with it and take ownership of it and make it theirs. Yeah. But if you don't have the process in place first, I think that's the misconception about maybe outsourcing social media marketing is that you're just going to hand it off to somebody and they're going to just jump right in and make your business, bring in a bunch of clients and you get to sit back and you're just paying them a few hundred dollars a month. That's right. I am an expert marketer. I know exactly how to market my business. A, I'm very niche. So it's hard for somebody to come in and be like, they don't know how to create yeah. an Instagram post. That's something we have to teach them. Okay. Uh, so even me bringing on a social media manager who was very, very, very expensive. There was a lot of over communication of this is exactly what I want. This is the voice I have. We don't use hashtag boss babe or hashtag lash boss. It's not what we do, you know, but I had to develop my brand and my voice first so that there was this transition of value being provided to our followers. Again, our followers are human. We can't just keep selling to them and being this constant pitch to them. They won't follow us. They won't engage and they'll never see our posts. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you have to be able to also get a return on your investment. So if you're handing something off to someone, you have to be able to grow the business in other ways to be able to afford them. And a lot of times that's, you can take more clients in a day or you have more time. So you're not as stressed and you can get to more. So it's this misconception that somebody else is going to come in and save the day of your business. But reality, that's an employee. Mm -hmm. Employee doesn't have to oversee marketing. They don't have to oversee the financials. They don't have to know their numbers. They just have to show up, do their job and go home. So if you really want to be a business owner, you have to fall in love with running a business. And that means doing the good and the bad and the ugly. And I think behind the idea of delegating, you know, finding someone to take on a project like social media, like we recently had hired a friend of ours, great guy. We love him, but it didn't quite work out because he didn't understand what we were going for. And so what did we hire him for? For our social media, yeah, yeah, for our for our salon, and yeah. so for about two months, we had the most beautiful photos, but just the 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 wording and actually the way he did the photos, the angles, everything just wasn't the way we wanted. And we worked with them; it was just hard to communicate. And we realized we hadn't set up a good template for him to fall. He was inventing the template himself, and that caused conflict and trouble. Now, we're still friends, and we parted ways that way, but that said, it was one of those things that we had to learn. Like, we didn't have a system in place, and I think that's what I was trying to get to, is that we really need to, as entrepreneurs and business owners, build the system before we hand it off to someone, unless it's an area that you like accounting. Like, I have no idea about accounting. Well, then hire an accountant who can come in and organize your books for you, and then they can hopefully explain to you the financial literacy so you understand what they're sending back to you. So when you right. see a P&L, you see a balance sheet, you see a cash flow statement, you're not like, I, what the hell is this crap? I don't need it. And you throw it out the window, and he's like, well, actually, it's important because that's going to help you make decisions in the next 12 months of what you're going to buy and purchase and who you're going to hire that- and all all that stuff. You don't have a clue. You're going to, so you can get people to help you, but in other areas where you have like you, your expertise, what you really know what you want in the marketing, you got to have to set the boundaries and the kind of the, this is exactly how I want it done. Otherwise you're going to find yourself, I think, in a continual button heads with people and right. micromanaging at people at that, at that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I lose the ability to draw people into my business. You know, that marketing is the key component to growing your business. And if you hand that off to somebody and you don't know how to do it yourself and find success for yourself first, Mm -hmm. you are risking the livelihood of your business and your ability to make money because if they're frustrated or they're waiting on you for an answer, but you never did it yourself and you don't have the answer, everything comes to a halt, which means you don't have new clients coming in. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm all for delegating once you've done it yourself and you have this system or process in place and then have somebody come and spruce it up and make it their own and do it better. Website is the same thing. While most people don't want to get into a website, it's not the most hardest thing in the world to build a website. There are forms that are insanely difficult that I don't recommend lash artists do, but you should be able to maintain your website and update it regularly rather than paying somebody a block of hours to change out one photo a month and because you don't know where it is or how to do it. So it's your business. And for most lash artists who are solo lash artists and you don't have these big budgets to spend on non-profit making team members, it's really important that you understand at least the basics enough to get in there and get your hands dirty and to know what it means for your business, like accounting, like your website, like marketing. What are some things or how do you go about deciding what you should delegate, what you should automate and what you eliminate? Is there a kind of a, a, some checklist that you go on your head that helps to create that type of decisions? Well, Paul, I put that checklist in my head onto paper. Hey, um, <laughs> was that so set I up? Do- I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I have come up with a delegate like a lash boss uh, checklist that I'm going to make available for free for your audience at the lashpreneur.com slash lash cast. And really what I've done is just gone through a ton of different tasks in your business. And it's literally either a column for automate, eliminate, delegate. I do this or not applicable. So what I want to encourage listeners to do is just go through that and see if there's anything, you know what? I really don't need to be doing this. This isn't helping my business. It was just an idea I had or saw somebody else doing it. Automating anything that there's a software, you know, I am a huge proponent of online booking for scaling your business. Actually, there's been a conversation going on about maybe online booking isn't the best way to go because it is a luxury service. But I think for your average lash artist, getting that back and forth text conversation with the client at the price point that most lash artists charge is not really a wise use of your time. So do you have Friday at two? No, I have Saturday at six. Well, that doesn't work. Well, how about next week? Well, I've got two on Tuesday. Well, no, I can do Wednesday. Okay. I've got Wednesday at six. That's a big waste of time Mm -hmm. where just sending them your link to your online booking and having them pick an appointment at their convenience is a great way to take that off of your plate. That conversation saves you time, even automating their confirmation email and their reminder texts, taking something off of your plate. If you text every client or you email every client with, Hey, your appointment's coming up. Did you want to cancel? Are we good? And then not hearing back and not knowing, Oh my gosh, are they going to show up or not? That's a waste of time as well. That can be as simple as using online booking. So just kind of a bunch of different ideas of what you can automate, eliminate and delegate. And I understand that money is tight for, I want to say about 90% of lash artists. So What I also included was personal stuff that you can start to automate, eliminate, or delegate as well. Because quite honestly, the first thing that I delegated in my life was housekeeping. It's not a good use of my time to clean toilets. It's not. I don't don't know what I'm doing. Thank God, huh? You know, (laughs) it it really is unsanitary. Uh, No, and so in dusting and the things that I honestly didn't grow up really doing. The second thing I, I delegated was laundry. I paid somebody $12 an hour to come do my laundry and my family had clean laundry every time we went to a drawer. Nobody ran out of pants. Nobody ran out of underwear. It was an amazing investment because I knew my time was worth something. I had a dollar amount. And if somebody could come in better, faster and cheaper than I could, by all means, please do your expertise. So there are a bunch of different ideas for your personal life that somebody can start to kind of give you your time back so that you can either spend time enjoying your friends and family, or that you can, you know, take more clients and make more money. 
another thing is like grocery shopping. I have two small children. If I try to take them to the grocery store, it's like a three hour process. If I can order my groceries online in 15 minutes and then go drive by and they kind of throw it in my car as I'm driving by, more power to you. That's great. No, that's great. And I think um, we will have a link in our show notes to your page so people can find it and get that download. I think that is huge because I feel like it's so easy to feel like we have to do it all. And I think some of us think we have something to prove. Like, I need to do it. I need to make sure everyone knows this is my There's business. There's a badge of honor. This yeah. mentality is I have to earn money. Yeah. I have to working. suffer. I must be whipped myself every day. I have I to be completely fried by yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I can brag to my friends how horribly dead I am. <laughs> it's like that's yeah. a, something great to brag how about. How busy I am and how much I'm suffering instead of like, wow, I actually have some free time. Yeah, to enjoy it. So that's really great. Just because I know they'll get the list, but maybe where some other areas I was preparing for this is think of some areas that people could delegate in their business that maybe they don't normally think about delegating. I don't know if you have a few at the top of your head that you would say, here's something right now. If you were listening to this podcast, maybe you can go this week and change something right now and delegate this and get some more uh, free time to be able to do to actually drive revenue to your company. There's another huge time suck for lash artists, and that's editing their lash photos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, if you come up with a system and you do it first and you have your kind of four or five ways that you edit a lash photo, it doesn't have to be magic every time. You can have a system. Like for me, I used Facetune, and I had kind of my four or five steps that I would do on every photo. I just do a screen recording, and I can find somebody on Fiverr or a virtual assistant in a different country, have them watch that screen recording, and then every week I send them a batch of lash photos that they do the editing for me and crop it for social media, and then all of a sudden I have my social media posts for the week or for the month. So that's wow. something that's fairly inexpensive. I mean, again, if we're hiring from the Philippines, a good living for them is 3 to $5 an hour. And they can easily do that. It doesn't require a mastery of the English language. It's just them on their phone getting paid to do it. And it helps you out and saves some lash artists spend hours and hours and hours editing a handful of photo. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I, it's an important part of their, their marketing, but can somebody else be doing it? So that was one idea. Well, just a recap. So what you do is you actually recorded a video of you going through each step, saying this is what I first do, this is how I approach it, giving them the template, and then you send that video overseas to the VA, and they're able to just emulate that. And I'm guessing this is something they already have a background in, usually, right? They're not, are you teaching them themselves, too, how to do this type of work? It just depends. I mean, from the most part, the VAs that you're going to, especially this is kind of a lower level VA task where it's just kind of monkey see, monkey do, where if you recreate the screen recording, and we do this actually for my team now because my whole team is virtual. Mm -hmm. And so if we have a process, we'll screen record us doing the process so that somebody can come in, whether they're new or we have to replace somebody so that there's never like a drop in business and they can come in and pick up because they have uh, screen recording. So yeah, if you just, most computers have the ability to screen record on your phone. Like if I was editing on my phone mm -hmm. and I would just talk myself through, okay, I want to smooth out this area. I want to change the filter. I want to, you know, detail out the eye. I want to change the whites of the eyes. Please don't touch the lashes. The lashes never need to be touched and then crop it to be square and save it in this folder or email it to me. Great. Simple as that. And if you do that and they're not turning out the work that you think, it was your communication of what you wanted. So don't be impatient and think that that person can't do it. You just need to come up with a better explanation of what you do. But it can be as simple as that for you to have consistency in your posting and not take hours slaving over social media. That's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you said I think you had another one. It looked like you're going to 
Well, I, I can throw a couple myself. I, oh, I, go I, ahead I and throw away. Yeah, I'll throw. I don't have as cool as I do in the VAs overseas, I, which I love. I know what one thing that yes. did for us <laughs> that really changed and helped us a lot. And we have Booker as our booking software, and they were bought out by MindBody. And before that, Booker bought a company called Frederick. And I fall in love with Frederick. It's a automation system that we don't use all the power there is to this system yet, but I, it works on multiple platforms. Really, if you haven't, it's not cheap. It's like 200 bucks a month, but it does confirmations that look a lot prettier than the confirmation we could get through Booker. But not only that, it also can do text confirmations, so it can do dual, depending on what the client wants. They can opt in. It also does a great job of retaining old clients. You lose a client, and it will send if you want. I don't suggest giving out discounts, but giving out incentives for people to rebook, whether it's a, a, a promotional thing. Hey, you get a free wax. Or you get something added into the last service. And it, it does that after three months. It does after six months and a year. And we've seen clients come back. And I don't have to worry about these clients. These aren't clients I have to call or follow up on or try to find or hunt down. They're on the list. They get it. And they can opt out if they want, but most do not. And they get these little reminders. And, and all out of the blue, clients just pop up in my schedule. And it's connected to my automatic booking software from Booker. So I don't even have to even know. I just get an email that says, blah, 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 just booked with you. And I'm like, awesome. And then I, if we have a slow time, which we haven't had in a long time, but if we have a slow time, there's a little switch I can click on it. And it will send out an email, hey, we have some last-second openings tomorrow. Again, I don't give it any way free as far as discounts on lashes, but I do extra little bonuses on top of that. And once in a while, people take that opportunity and jump in. And it has other things attached to it, like drip campaigns through email, once you get the email list, where you can do follow-ups. Maybe you're promoting a certain thing for the holidays coming up or something else. So it's a really powerful tool that... You just have to set it up, and you really can't forget about it. And that's rare that most things can, you can do that. And this does a really good job of automating your marketing online or your follow-ups with people. And, of course, we still jump in and we do personal texts, and we still do a lot of things to give that personal touch. We're not looking to seem like robots. But when we've seen you know, 150 women in a week, um, you do have to automate some things because there's just no way to talk to every person and do all that information and gathering and, and make uh, sure everything's right. So, And also, by the way, at the end of the whole thing, it does a much better follow-up than I've seen other companies as far as it asks a client from 1 to 10, rate your service. I don't know if you're familiar with Net Promoter, the whole concept. It's a evaluator about someone's satisfaction, and it rates you from 1 to 10. Um, 9 and 10 is considered a promoter. Seven or eight considers someone who's indifferent, and one to six is they call a detractor. And basically, I think it was developed at Harvard. It's not a really complex idea. Rate someone one to ten. Someone from Harvard had to come up with this idea. And but marketing companies use this thing called Net Promoter to evaluate the, the customer satisfaction. If you're above like sixty percent in the ratings, you're considered a rock star. You know, companies like South. West are at that rating level. And yeah. then companies like United Airlines are down at like a 10 or 20, which is not such a happy place to be. But that all said, this idea is a sense of one to 10. So it's so easy. A client can just go one to 10. I can do that survey because a lot of times people don't want the long survey, but one to 10, yeah, it was a 10. And then what's great if they give me anything less than a nine, I get an email saying someone ready to do eight or six or five. And that's when I know I can jump in. I can call them, email them, and check in and see what happened and why it didn't go well. And now I can do damage control if I need to. And it's all set up for me not have to worry about until there's a, a problem. And that's where I can beat the punch where someone's not going to go on Yelp and write that nasty review. 
more right. times than not, they're going to first let me know they're not happy, and I can jump in and fix that. And that's huge as far as pr protecting your reputation online. So anyhow, that's a huge one I want to throw out there. I know there's other software like that, but I'm a big fan of Frederick. It's like your first line of defense. It, it's always a sigh of relief, actually, to get the notice that we've had somebody who hasn't maybe had a, a good experience because it gives us an opportunity. It's a little buffer so that we can reach out and make it right. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Anytime that you can use software nowadays to make your life a little bit easier, even QuickBooks, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. accounting that's in place of a bookkeeper, all you really do, you can link your bank accounts to it. And it's as simple as going into your app and just swiping left or right. I mean, it's kind of very Tinder style where you're categorizing your expenses rather than at the end of the year trying to get all your receipts together and trying to figure it out then. Just little things like that that can save you 5, 10, 15 minutes. Oh, here was another idea I had. So I, in my business, I would always get like the same three or four questions emailed to me, right? Or texted to me. So I just, after answering those 20 or 30 times, I just came up with a template of that answer that was a canned response. And I saved it as... In email, you can save it as a signature so that it just automatically populates your response. And then you just kind of change out anything that needed to be changed out if they had a different question. But, you know, what's your service pricing? What's your availability? Do you work on other people's work? Those kinds of questions. Instead of writing it out every single time, even just save it as a note. Save your hashtags as a note in your phone and just copy and paste instead of having to type in every single time. That's great. No, I actually had never done the signature. I actually have a Word document with all my pat answers that I tailor. We, I always try to add a little touch that's me based upon the person's question, but that's actually cool. I'm going to go do that. The signature, I had not thought about actually using that signature tool. Actually, Erica taught us that you can use on your phone is you can do autofill. And if you have yep. certain keywords that have certain are connected to certain key responses, you can just type that word and that whole response will pop in. And again, for DMing or for texting, you can have hashtags these works too. Yeah, hashtags. Yeah, very quick ways that you can respond without having to go through and write a novel every time someone contacts you via text or such. So that's yeah. another thing. It's a little thing on I know on iPhone, I'm sure they probably have it on the other devices. But iPhone has an area that's called autofill. And just look it up. I'm sure there's a Google. You can type how to do autofill my phone and you can yep. figure that out. Yeah. I was just going to ask if there's any systems, and that's what we were kind of talking about, anything that you do to automate any systems to take the thinking out of those operations? Yeah. One of my, uh, was reordering my iPads. I did a video on it and it was actually really popular is I would order my iPads from overseas. And so it would take like a month to get them. So I would order in bulk. And so when I had my little lash trailer my holder for all my iPads, I stuck a sticky note when I had 50 left, knowing that, you know, it was going to take about that amount of time for me to get to reorder and them get here before I ran out. And so it was just my signal that when I got to that little sticky note, okay, I need to reorder iPads. And then I'd reorder three months of them and then not have to do it again. So instead of going through and counting all the iPads, you know, once a week to make sure I wasn't going to run out, uh, that's kind of where that inventory idea came from is like, okay, well, I never want to run out of lashes, but iPads, if you run out of iPads, you're SOL. You can't just throw <laughs> on something else. Um, to be <laughs> but just a way to trick your brain or to, to, again, like you said, take the thinking side out of it so you don't have to think about it, mm -hmm. that it just happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do some auto ordering with Amazon and even auto bill paying. I think 90% of my bills are all auto pay now. Yes. I don't have to worry about it. I just, as long as the bank doesn't get low all of a sudden. I and just, a lot of flash companies are doing auto ship now. So like, yeah. especially with your adhesive, which, you know, most people order once a month, just auto order it every yeah. month or, you know, order two so you can go two months. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to just save 
you know, even precious seconds or minutes can really add to why you got into business in the first place, which was more time and more money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one thing I would just say what we did when with the auto ordering is sometimes I still go in the back stock room and I'll say, oh crap, we got too much of one item and now maybe skip a month because, you know, it's okay to have too much uh, and if you do, yeah, you just shut it off for a month and it restarts usually next month. Yeah. It's really easy to I do. I ought to order my dog food. It comes every six weeks and that's how long it takes him to go through a bag. So, you know, just little ways to yeah. just make life a little bit easier. Exactly. Let's use technology to the advantage that it comes with. <laughs> so I wanted to switch gears and I wanted to pick your brain, Tara, about some success stories. Uh, if you could share from, you know, the last Entrepreneur Society, some success stories that could inspire and encourage. There are people out there that are going through things that they think it feels awful alone here. So I just know that hearing struggles, it can be encouraging. Yeah. But also the success, right? I started a group coaching program in May of 2017, and it's all online. And it has grown massively since then, uh, and we've changed the format a couple of times, and now it's a really killer format. But yeah, along with that was kind of this aha moment, like, oh, I'm actually changing lives. Like, oh, I'm actually getting people massive success. Because again, I was still finding my voice, and I knew I needed a paid place to share all of my wisdom and knowledge so that I would get in front of the right types of lash artists. And I've got so many, um, a lot of them started off really struggling. They were making some money like a thousand, $1,200 a month, but that was way less than their expenses. They didn't have control of their numbers. They didn't even know their numbers. They just thought, you know, this, if you build it, they will come kind of mentality as most new business owners think that if I just open up for business, everybody's gonna be lining up through my door. But you know, when you're the best kept secret in town, that's not actually a good marketing plan. <laughs> uh, so one example is Michelle Rutz, and she's uh, from Toronto, and she was kind of in that world where she wasn't making much money. She had left a corporate job. She left a business like where she was an employee and thought, I'm just going to give this lash thing a go, and it was kind of supplemental income to what her husband was making, and it was really, really stressful on her, and she joined my group coaching program right from the start. And I remember very different conversations with her that it's interesting how I get a vibe from somebody online, whether they need to be kind of stuck to it. And I need to be kind of intense and, and pushing them forward to get them to where they want to be, or if I need to be soft and gentle and nurturing, I very much take two different approaches based on that lash artist. Michelle was one of those people I had to keep writing and keep pushing her forward because she would settle and she would think that status quo was good enough or that she didn't want to stand out in a bad way. Um, or even necessarily in a good way. And Michelle, now a year later, even less than a year, is, I don't want to say her income because I don't know if she'd be comfortable with that, but she is doing fine. <laughs> She's doing really good. She had her best month in June where she took a week off to go to Cuba and took five days off to come to the last show um, in Vegas and had her best month ever. Oh, and she is an educator. She says, I train and I educate when I feel like it. And I do really well. I can make lots of money at educating, but I actually still love taking clients. Her clients know the policies, know the boundaries. And it was so many ahas for her over that. I think it was like a six or eight month period where we just grew her business by getting clarity. There are so many ideas that lash artists have of what they want it to be, or they don't know where to go. And when you start to get clarity and direction, then it's just a matter of executing almost step-by-step -step style. Okay, I need to get to this point and I need to work full-time in my business. Then I need to get to this point so I can be fully booked. And then what happens after that? So getting some clarity, I mean, Michelle is killing it now and she is such a proponent. She's always talking about the Lashpreneur Society because it has made such a huge difference in her world. 
Um, another one is more of a recent one is Manuela, who is out of Jersey or New York. Sorry, Manuela, if you're listening. Uh, she <laughs> had this idea of wanting to be a Spanish-speaking educator and especially start focusing on educating in uh, South America, where there's not a whole lot of great lash trainings yet. And this is somebody who has been quiet and reserved uh, in the group who doesn't always put her problems out there, but she'll message me privately and just be like, here's what's going on. Uh, she actually just brought on her mom to work with her in her business a couple months ago, and we've built up mom's business too. And I remember having, uh, I do hot seat trainings in the Lashpreneur Society at times where I'm diving deep on one person's business for everybody else to watch and learn from. And there was an, a time I was going back and forth with Manuela about a Facebook ad that she wanted to do to promote her microblading for the summer. And we kept going back and forth. And what I'm very, very careful of doing is not fishing for lash artists. I want to teach them to fish. Hmm. I don't want to do it for you. I've got my own stuff going on. I've built a business. I've done it. I want you to start doing it. So I was just asking the right questions of her. And through us going through her Facebook ad and talking about who she wanted to reach, this light bulb moment went off where all of a sudden she became like this marketer you've never seen before, where she was like, do you want to look good? Do you want to have waterproof lashes? So when you jump in the ocean that your brows don't come off or sorry, not brow, lashes, but brows, <laughs> she yeah. just nailed this, this pain point that her target client had and that ad killed it. Oh, it did amazing. Great. And that was her creation. I didn't give her those words. Mm-hmm. And now she has started growing a educator business. And she just messaged me actually today that she got her first paying student and did her first training. And I'm getting chills as I'm talking about it because (laughs) I've seen how far she's come where they were struggling a year ago and she didn't know what was left and what was right in business, but she knew she cared and she knew she wanted to figure it out and she committed to figuring it out. Um, And then one last kind of story I'll share is even just the small wins. So we only open up membership twice a year now, Mm -hmm. and we just opened up membership in July. So we have a lot of new members that have come in and just them starting through one component of our group is a course where it's start, build and grow your lash business and their online recorded trainings, getting clear on your numbers. And one of my students started looking at her website through different eyes and actually started looking at it from a client's perspective Mm -hmm. and started going through and changing out the things in her website that she thought was not appealing to her target client. And now all of a sudden she, within a week of her changing of her website, she's gotten two new clients off of the website alone. Mm -hmm. And just a small little win like that, all of a sudden she feels empowered that I can actually be successful at this. I've been struggling for so long and something as quote unquote simple as just making some small changes on my website was really transformational, much less the big wins of like, now you have a thousand followers or now you have, or you're fully booked. It's even just the small wins of getting clarity, getting some small wins. Business is very hard and celebrating those small successes is hugely important, not only for your own self-care and your own sanity, but also that you can then pay it forward to other lash artists. And that's been an amazing experience for me as the facilitator of this community is I now have moderators who are volunteering their time, empowering the women in this community Hmm. and answering on my behalf. It's no longer everybody's waiting for my answer. They're actually, it's their own community where they get to relate to each other. And I just get to come in, have fun, talk business, change some minds, change some lives and everybody wins. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you're really helping people create a laser focus for a couple of different things that they need to get clarity on. Sounds amazing. You know, my best advice to 99% of lash artists, unfollow. Mm. Yeah. Unfollow anybody who makes you feel negative, that you're not good enough. 
unfrickin' follow. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Preach it. I had to do that. I had to do that. Yeah. I mean, I still do it to this day. Anytime I'm like, oh, should I be doing that? Unfollow. I don't, mm-hmm. there's no winning at being compared to somebody else. We have our own enough. We're our own worst critics that we don't need Instagram life and what somebody else chooses to put out there. Not what actually is happening behind the scenes yeah. to make us feel like we're not good enough. We can't do it, that we oh, should be amen. spending more money here and there. Unfollow. Well, that's great. Well, I knew that we were going to run out of time. It just I knew goes that this by was, so fast. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I've had this feeling. I, I always do this now. I, I write all these things we're going to talk about, and I think we got through one-third of it. So um, we will definitely have to bring you back and dig in deeper on some other things and learn more from you and just have some fun. But that said, before we get going, I did want to give our audience a chance to know what's coming down the pipeline for you and also to know where people can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So our next kind of big launch is our DIY web design e-course. So it's an online course taking you step by step by step of how to build a website. Even for those non-techie people who get really clammed up, if you know how to get on social media, and I'm assuming you do, if you are listening to this podcast or you know who I am, then you can do this. It's literally point and click. We show you exactly how. So that's launching in September. And then after that, uh, we open up registration for the Lashpreneur Society twice a year. We do have a wait list so that you can be notified exactly when that happens. We also have a bunch of details of what's included with this monthly membership essentially, but there is the start, build and grow Lash, uh, Lash Artist Success Path, as well as monthly mini trainings and coaching sessions where I teach you how to be a better business owner. And we all focus the supportive community on getting you to where you want to be and living a life on your own terms and not somebody else's. So you can get on at thelashpreneur.com slash society. And then, yeah, the Lashpreneur everywhere. It sounds like manure, but it's actually P-R-E-N-E-U-R. <laughs> You wrecked so, me now. Now I'm gonna be thinking last manure now. That's Ash great. Manure. Every time I say it, that's what goes through my head. So inside scoop, behind the scenes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's really that's cute. awesome. <laughs> well, we always get Tustin came up with this when we first got married with our last name Lubers. It rhymes with goobers just to help people to get the, the idea of what our name does, is. It does. Yeah. Happens to rhyme. It's not. Yeah. Is it? But I think you've beat us. Fantastic. With that one. You're yeah. now gonna be known as the goobers. I'm yeah, the <laughs> goobers. Yeah. Put us down for that. So that said, I am so thankful that we got this time together, and we will definitely have to have you come back otherwise everyone if you haven't looked into her yet or not following her please do she does amazing work and i know that the price that she charges is is so reasonable for what you're getting it's like you're definitely getting more than what you're spending which is always the best kind of deals and i think she's uh someone that will change your life so please definitely follow her if you're not already and then uh sign up for that wait list uh, and from what i heard last time it exploded and people from all over the planet were trying to get in on it so yeah. definitely get in soon so that you don't miss out that said thank you everyone for joining us today it was exciting to have tara on board um, we, we want to continue this discussion online with you through social media Media. I'd like for you to please follow us at Integrity Lash. That is our Lash Salon. That tells you or shows you behind the scenes of what we do at our salon. Also, you can follow us at Lashcast Podcast. That's our Instagram account for the podcast. What a shock. And that one I want you to follow because that's where you can DM us and really ask us questions about what we do here. We haven't done what we had hoped with that page yet because we haven't delegated, right? So we need to get our act together more there. But as we get this going and grow this thing, we really hope to provide more value there with more links, tips, and information that you get from our podcast. I'd also like to ask a favor of you. If you could help us get the word out on this podcast, that'd be awesome. And of course, you already know how to do it. You just go on Instagram, take a screenshot and repost it, or go on to iTunes and write us a review. 
let people know what we're doing. We're trying to help our industry and create a conversation about some of these things that we don't get to talk about when we're alone working by ourselves in the last room. So that's what we're here. We're trying to bring those conversations to you and while you're working or while you're driving and help you to grow and learn and improve your career. And now for the announcement that I teased you with at the beginning. We are doing our first ever giveaway. We are super excited to be doing this. We have one ticket to the team-based conference in San Antonio, Texas on October 21st through the 22nd. This is basically the company strategies puts this on every year. We follow this company. They're actually a company we are coached by. They have made a world of a difference in how we run our salon and improving our salon and giving us a better culture, better systems, better ways of managing and leading your team. So if you have staff, this is a must-go-to conference. If you are thinking about having staff, this is the conference to go to. They really help you put in the systems before you hire that first employee. And if you already have employees, then this will help you implement new systems that I promise will change the way you do business and take your game to the next level. They're going to give you things that you can automate. They're going to give you things that you can delegate and better build a team that will get on board. But hey, let's get into the details. How can you win this free ticket? And this is only for people who will go. I don't want to give away a ticket to someone and I, eh, I'm not going to go. So we're going to basically have this podcast taking place. I believe September 10th will be the day it launches. And we're going to have this little competition run through the 14th. So whoever wins on that 14th of September, you still have a month to get your tickets. So price your plane tickets hopefully won't be too much. And you can get your hotel at the San Antonio, um, I believe it's the Hyatt. Um, You can look it up. We'll give you those details later. Have a link in our show notes on this. But that said, here's what you need to do to win. You first need to take a screenshot of our podcast. Hey, we're promoting our podcast. What a shock. How about that? That said, you take a screenshot of our podcast and you can place it on your wall or story. And then secondly, you need to you know, tag it with at LashCast podcast and hashtag it LashCast giveaway. This is the first one. So you want to get in on this. Then you need to tag four of your last friends so they can find out about this. And then you can post it as many times as you want from those four or five days. So from that Monday when this launches to that Friday when we'll finally announce the winner. So what do I mean by posting it? So once a day, just post something on your story. Put in the at LashCast podcast as well as hashtag it with LashCast giveaway and four friends or maybe four new friends. You want to just spread out the love and do it every day on your story or on your wall or both. And each day you do it, every time you do it, you get another entry. So the more you do it, let everyone know about this. Or you can do one, that's okay too. And then we will draw from that for every entry you have. We will draw a winner. Now, the big thing is, this is, is something you need to want to be part of. Please, I mean, I don't mind you promoting this. That's awesome. Thank you. But at the same time, what we really want to do is give this to a ticket to someone who can go. So if you can't go, if you're tied up on October 21st, 22nd, don't do this. Or if you win it, maybe you can will it to a friend who you know who would go. So you can do an entry for, on behalf of someone else. So that's the competition. Please get out there, start posting when you hear this, and we will announce it on that Friday the 14th around 5 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. That's where we're at. And by the way, the value of this ticket is $695. So, so it's a nice prize. It might be the best prize we get for a while. $695 ticket. It goes up on September 29th to $1,050. So if you wait and you say, I don't know if I want to do this yet, and then you clear your schedule by October, you're going to be paying $1,000 for this ticket. And there's like three, 400, 500 people that show up at this conference. 
most of the people there are on team-based pay, but there are a lot of people who are just going to learn about it to see if it's really the right thing for them. So I strongly encourage you, please jump on this opportunity, promote, and hopefully you win, and hopefully we'll see you because Tusty and I will be there, and we can hang out. I'll buy you a drink and uh, talk about your business and get to know more about you. It'd be awesome. So get on board, start posting today, and we will hopefully see you at this conference. That about wraps it up. On behalf of our engineer, Britton, as well as my last experts, Erica and Tusney, and our special guest, Tara Walsh, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen. Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry. 